0: You are listening to the Living Way Church Podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right. Good morning, Living Way. How's everybody doing? Pretty good? All right. Try to get settled a little bit, and I won't take too long because uh, Ted told me to make sure I finish up by halftime of the Cowboys game. All right. All right. See, I see where your priorities lie, okay, that's good. Uh, well, it has been a privilege over the last several years just to get to know Pastor Ted. And uh, just the Blairs are awesome. So uh, just a couple observations as somebody who is uh, stepping in new, uh, I want to just encourage you that a couple of things that I personally felt today walking in before anybody even knew I was going to be preaching today uh, was a tremendous amount of hospitality as I walked in. Uh, and I just got the sense that, man, this is, a, this is a group of people who knows how to serve each other really well and serve the body of Christ and the kingdom of Christ really well. So I want to encourage you, uh, with that. This is a really special place and I know it is, uh, because just hearing the stories of pastor Ted and even how the building came about, uh, and all of those things, it's just clear that God has his hand, uh, on this place. And so just want to encourage you with that this morning. I am Craig Rush. I'm the campus pastor of Chase Oaks, Woodbridge, and Saxey, uh, and I'll be, I'll have that title for about three more weeks, uh, so you might be thinking, man, what's what's up with that? We are, my wife uh, is here today, and uh, my beautiful wife, Bethany, and kids in zone. We are in the process of transitioning, and so we are seeking the Lord on this next chapter uh, of our life, and we don't know exactly where we're headed to, uh, but we know God's got big plans. There's a long backstory to that. Everything's good. Uh, It's a good transition all the way around. But uh, when you're in a transition period of life, if you ever just felt, you know, there's a couple things that tend to, to, to happen a lot more. One, we've been doing a lot of praying, right? Uh, stepping out of a role and not knowing exactly what we're heading into. It just kind of has a way of elevating your prayer life. Uh, so we've been in that, in that mode. And the other thing I've been doing is just looking at a lot of job descriptions. Wow, there are a lot of them out there. So it's just, it's kind of baffled my mind just a little bit on how uh, when you look at the same title, the same role, basically the same position in different contexts, it's like, it can be totally different from one context Uh, to the other, you know? And so it's just kind of got me thinking, you know, well, what is the main thing? You know, what's the main thing here that, uh, that people are looking for and you kind of have to dig through and there's a couple things that kind of elevate up, up to the top, but as Christ followers, have you ever felt that way? Does it kind of feel sometimes like there's this job description of what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christ follower, but it can almost feel a little bit overwhelming. Like sometimes, you know, this, this kind of gets elevated or this, uh, this time this gets elevated kind of a thing. And it's just kind of like, man, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing here as a Christ follower? What is our job description as Christ followers. And so that's what I want us to just dig into today. And my bottom line, the main thing is, uh, is just this. We've got to be people who keep the main thing, the main thing. All right. Look at your neighbor next to him and say, hey, we've got to be people who keep the main thing, the main thing. All right. That was pretty good. Wow, man. I like that good stuff. All right. Well, to help us to do that today, I want us to dig into a passage of scripture and uh, it's Acts chapter one. It's one of my favorite passages. I I love the Bible as as a whole, obviously, but this is one of my favorite passages. It's in Acts chapter one one through eight. And I think this passage, it just gives us a a very clear picture on what God has commissioned us to do as Christ's followers. I think it's one of those passages where, you know, there's lots of great things, but if you're ever just wondering, all right, what's the main thing here that I'm supposed to be doing? This is one of those passages uh, that I oftentimes come back to time and time again. So turn, turn in your Bible and I'm going to read, I'm going to start with Acts chapter one and we'll dig into this passage this morning. It says this, this is the, uh, the writer Luke and he says, I wrote the first narrative Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given orders through the Holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when, he had, so when they had come together, they asked him, the apostles asked him, Lord, at this time, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, "It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." Let's pray together as we dive into this passage. Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the praise that has already been given in this place, Father. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your word, not my thoughts, Father. And I pray that your word would be spoken today. We ask that you would bless this time, Father, that your spirit would be here with us as we strive to just know you better. I pray that's the final result. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, to, to start off, if we're going to be people that keep the main thing, the main thing, there's a really important concept in this passage that I think we need to wrestle with just a little bit. And that concept is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. That's a, a phrase that we hear oftentimes in the, in the gospels that Jesus is always coming back to this idea of the kingdom of God In the kingdom of God. I want us to to think about that. There's really two two fulfillments of the kingdom of God. Yes, there's the, there's the, the kingdom of God that is coming when Jesus returns. That is a, a promise and a hope that we have that Jesus is going to return one day and he's going to restore everything that's broken. He is going to make right every relationship, every sickness, every, everything that is broken in this world. Jesus is gonna restore and make that right. That's the future fulfillment. But there's also this idea right now that the kingdom of God is present, that God is at work in our communities. He's at work in our schools. He's at work all around us using our churches, using us as Christ followers to start to establish that kingdom here on earth. That when Jesus died and was resurrected, it was the beginning of the kingdom of God in the sense that Jesus is in the process right now of restoring hearts. He is in the business of uh, reconciling broken relationships, namely the one between us and God. He brought about reconciliation with us and God in his death and resurrection. And he's bringing about this kingdom. He's establishing his kingdom even now. And I think that's important for us as Christ followers to, to remember that that shades everything about our life right now, that we have a hope that God is gonna fully restore everything, but even now he allows us to be a part of bringing about impact in the world that is around us here and now. And I think it's just so easy to get discouraged or it's easy to focus on all the things that are wrong in this world. And don't, don't misunderstand me in any, any way. We do live in a broken world fallen world that can be discouraging when you turn on the news or when you listen to all the things that are happening. But as Christ followers, we cannot lose sight of the fact that we have a hope in Christ that impacts our future destiny, but it also impacts the way we live our life right now. And that's the vision of the kingdom of God that in after the death and resurrection of Christ, he began this process of making right what is wrong in the world, bringing back broken hearted people, people that were far from God, restoring them into a relationship with him. That's the vision of the kingdom. And there's some values that he gives us and how we go about doing that. And I gotta tell you, God expands his kingdom a lot differently than we would think about expanding a kingdom or the way that we see kingdoms expanded in this world. And Jesus is clear on the values of his kingdom, namely in Matthew chapter six, Uh, these are some of the, these are some of the, the, uh, the values that, that Jesus expresses about the expansion of his kingdom. Meekness over dominance, righteousness over unrighteousness, poor in spirit over pride, persecution over security. When the world says, Hey, push your way to the top. If you need to cut corners to get ahead, go ahead and do it. Portray self-confidence. Play it safe if you have to. Those are how worldly kingdoms are expanded. But that's not how Christ's kingdom is expanded. That's kind of difficult, right? Has anybody ever tried to consistently live a life of, uh, of trying to be meek in spirit, of trying to not play it safe, of trying to live a life of faith and trying to step out and be bold for Christ—it's not always easy, right? Especially if we're if we strike out to do that on our own, or if we think, you know, there's—I can say there's been times in my life where I've just tried to white knuckle something, or I've tried to make something happen on my own, and maybe we can. Wow, that's a good a guitar stand back there. Maybe there's times when, when we can do that for a while, or we can try, we can we can kind of make things look good on the outside, but it's a pretty difficult, challenging way to live life when you're trying to do things counter, counter to what the culture says uh, that oftentimes we're supposed to do if we want to try to make an impact in the world around us. And so here's the main point of that today. If you are a little bit frustrated, if you do feel like, man, I'm trying, God, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live a life that's holy and pleasing to you. I'm trying to make a difference in the world around me. But I always find myself kind of taking it feels like I, I take a step forward and then I take two steps back. And it can be a little bit frustrating. And and the reason is, the reason for me. We're called to live a life that is not a natural life. It is a supernatural life. It's a life of empowerment in the spirit. A life of empowerment in the spirit. And in this passage, when you dig into it, look look at verse five in that in that passage where it talks about uh, Jesus says in a couple of days he's talking to the apostles he says you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That word baptized means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's a uh, it's not like a a little bit of like just kind of a side dish of the Holy Spirit. It's like you're gonna be immersed. It's that big of a deal. It is an all encompassing thing. When I was a new believer and I was trying to figure out this whole Christian life thing, I didn't really have a good grasp of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the third person of the Trinity in my, in my life. And I almost felt like the, the way I grew up, the way I understood the Holy Spirit was kind of like, uh, any, any Canes fans in the house? Anybody like Canes chicken in the house? All right. Okay. I got some, I got some, some like-minded believers over there. I like it. Uh, I know I'm in church. So I'm supposed to talk about Chick-fil-A, but I'm not, I'm going to talk about Canes cause it's my, it's my favorite, but you know, it's not very Christian. I know. Uh, but when I go to, uh, Canes, one of the th- one of the things that I realized along the way is that I don't have to have the coleslaw. I can get two pieces of toast at Canes, and it was like a, a game changer for me because I'm not super big on coleslaw, but. It's kind of a bad analogy when I'm referring to the Holy Spirit, but we kind of treat the Holy Spirit, right? Like the Cain's uh, coleslaw. It's kind of like, all right, I, I can kind of have, you know, I kind, of, I kind of think I'm going to have a little bit of Holy Spirit right now or a little bit not. And that's the way that I that I grew up. But I've, I started to realize, no, the, the Holy Spirit empowerment in my life it's a non-negotiable for us as Christ followers. Actually, there's no way to fulfill or to live into this life that God has called us to live into, if we're going to do it apart from the Holy Spirit. That that is the way that we live into this into this Christian life and make an impact uh, in the world that that is around us. And so, the the passage starts off. It's like. Jesus has these apostles. He's got his apostles around and he's given them I kind of view this as like he's given them their their pregame speech, all right? So think about Cowboys or think about maybe what your favorite college team was yesterday. You know, coaches they they right before the players take the field, they've got all their players circled around and they're like, you know, hey, we're going to do this today. That we're going to we're going to make this happen. We're going to win today all of these great things to get people fired up. I kind of feel like this is Jesus right before he's, he, he is about to be ascended and he's about to go back to the father. He has his apostles around for the last time. And he's kind of giving them that, that pep talk of like, hey, this is what I want you guys to be about. Whenever I'm I'm back with the father, I want you guys to be about this. I kind of picture it as a kind of a rah, rah moment, but then he says, and this is my le- I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna be transparent today. This is my least favorite word in the English language. He tells them to wait. What's up with that? You've just got, you know, everybody excited about the mission. And then he says, but I want you guys to wait. Anybody, anybody just like to wait in the house today? Is that something that you enjoy doing? I don't. I I really don't like to wait. I, uh, you know, when I've uh, done like lots of personality tests and strength finders things and all that. And my top three of the Strength finder is achievement, competition, and learner. So, like, I have this, like, hard drive wiring in me to want to produce stuff and to want to make stuff happen. I'm, I'm the weird guy on my day off. I've, like, I've got to cut my yard so that I can see some kind of progress in my life. Or I just start to go into this massive... Uh, we're not going to be friends by the time this is all, this is over. Uh, I, I have this, uh, no, nah, you're good, man. I'm, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm stepping on, I got big feet, you know, so it's, so, uh, I just want to see, I want to see stuff happen. Right. And that that is a, a, um, can easily kind of soak or easily kind of become a part of our Christian life as well too. And isn't it funny that right here before Jesus sends these guys out on this mission that's gonna change the world, he literally tells them to wait. I think he does that because that's how much, that's how big of a deal the Holy Spirit's empowerment in our life is that you can strike out on your own. If you want to, you can try to make stuff happen on your own if you want to, but nothing eternal and kingdom impact is going to, is going to happen apart from the work Of the Holy Spirit. And I got to say, man, I'm convicted by that a lot. I'm convicted about that just in uh, collectively, even as churches, you know, I've just been thinking about how easy it is in such a resource rich area that we live in, in the Dallas area. It is so easy To just make things look like they're happening really, really well on the outside and on the exterior. And, uh, and in our churches, we can make lots of great things happen. We can produce all these great, uh, ministries. We can, we can really look like we got things together on the outside. But is kingdom impact really happening? Are we really seeing lives changed? Are we seeing hearts being drawn into a relationship with the Father? And that only happens through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we can't lose side of that. When we, when we're talking about keeping the main thing, the main thing for us as believers, and especially collectively as a body of Christ, we just can't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I think this passage too, when we, when we, uh, when we start to think about the main thing and keeping the main thing, the main thing I'm going to talk about in a minute, what that actually looks like on a personal level for all of us as Christ followers. But there's something in this passage that I think is a bit of a warning as well. Uh, that is not a. Uh, I totally understand how, how the apostles could get this idea Uh, but it's a distraction that I think we oftentimes can face as well too. Isn't it easy to just get distracted from the main things, whether that's a goal that we set out to accomplish, maybe at the start of a semester or, uh, just, you know, we, we want to, we strike out to see something happen and then it's not that we're lazy or it's not that we're bad people or any of those things. We just can easily get distracted And I think there's something in this passage that warns us against that as well. Look at, look at in the passage where Jesus, again, he's, he's just tell, he's just given these guys, uh, what he wants them to do. He's, he's telling them the, the, um, Hey, I want you guys to be a part of my kingdom, the kingdom expansion and being, making an impact in this world around us. And he's, he's trying to get these guys energized about what he's called them out to do. And look at the response of the disciples in this passage. Look what they, look what they say. I, I don't know. Who it was that spoke up? It was probably Peter because he he kind of has a track record of opening up his his mouth and being the response guy for the for the apostles, uh, and then kind of getting it kind of getting it wrong, and he's got to go back and backtrack. But the apostles are gathered around, and then and in this response to Jesus, they say, "Hey, is it at this time that you're restoring the nation of Israel?" Man, there's a lot in that to unpack. But Jesus has just spent 40 days talking about the kingdom values. He's been talking about the vision of the kingdom. And here, right before Jesus gets ready to ascend, these guys still haven't fully comprehended what Jesus is talking about their response there they're still they're still looking for a messiah that's going to be that king warrior that's going to step in and and uh going to kick the romans out of the nation of israel and establish this earthly political kingdom that they were longing for and they were hoping for and it wasn't that they were bad people again it wasn't that the apostles were 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 totally off on anything they just weren't thinking big enough. God was inviting them to be a part of something that was gonna supersede the physical. It was gonna supersede the temporal of the time. It was going to be something eternal on a scope they couldn't even imagine, but yet they were, their eyes were hung up on the physical, on the here and on the now. It isn't that common for us as Christ followers. You know, my wife and I, we've been in this season right now where we're in a, we're kind of stepped out in faith and we don't know exactly what this is going to lead to, but we're in one of those places where it's like, all right, God, you've got to show up in our life here or we're... We're kind of toast on this thing, you know? We need you to show up in our life in a big way. And it's easy to start thinking about the secondary things rather than the main thing, which is keeping God first and foremost in our life and using this as an opportunity of faith and trust to build our relationship with God. We can easily turn and make it about God trying to come in and make something happen for us. Have you ever been in one of those spots in your life where you know again it's it's human nature that we can find ourselves in but what these apostles were telling Jesus in that moment is like All right, all this kingdom stuff is great about, you know, all this eternal stuff. And I know you're, you're restoring hearts back to yourself and all that. But when are you going to restore us as a nation? When are you going to bring back fulfillment and get these Romans out of here so that we can have, have, you know, our country back and our, our life back and all of these things. And we do that a lot of times as Christ followers. And again, it's not, I'm speaking from, from experience here that I forget the invitation is for me to be a part of building and establishing and impacting God's kingdom, not for him to be a part of building and impacting and establishing my kingdom. But it's so easy to get those two things confused right? It's so easy to flip those things. And it's not that God is, is being mean. It's not that he doesn't care about us as Christ followers. He actually loves us. And he understands that when we seek first his kingdom, everything else is added to us at that point. If we flip that though, we start to put our heart and our soul. We start to put our hope. We start to put our trust in something that is not going to ultimately fulfill our hearts at the deepest longing and level of our hearts. You hear me on that? It's loving for God to invite us into the eternal impact that he wants to bring around us and use us to impact the world around us. Because anything lesser, it just can't ultimately fulfill the longings of our heart. So that's the invitation that we've got today. If we're going to be people who keep the main thing, the main thing. We've got to remember that God is at work establishing his kingdom around us. And he gives us the privilege to participate in that and to be a part of that. But it's not something that we can do in our own strength and in our own power. It's a, it's a Holy Spirit empowerment that he lavishes on his children. He wants to bring about on his children. And we do that in weakness, not in our strength. We do that in waiting, not in rushing forward. We take those times with the Lord where the beginning of every day, we just use an opportunity to get down on our knees and say, God, I need you in my life today. I'm toast without you in my life today. Would you fill me with your spirit in my life today so that I can make an impact on the world that's around me? And that's the invitation that God invites you and he invites me into on a daily basis. Well, I've been talking a lot about this main thing and keeping the main thing, the main thing. And I've said that the biggest part of that is keeping a kingdom focus for our life. But there's a way that we all can make far greater impact than maybe we're giving ourselves credit to. And when we talk, you remember I started talking about the job description early on. I want to give you just a a really short succinct as I've wrestled with the scriptures over these past few weeks of a job description that I think God that could sum up the Christian life no matter what our unique situation is and uh, it comes directly out of Acts 1.8. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so if I... If we boil that down into a job description, here's what I would encourage you with. You and I have been invited to be a part of God's expanding kingdom by living empowered lives as Christ witnesses. There it is. You and I have been invited into establishing and expanding the kingdom of God by living empowered lives as Christ witnesses. So you might be thinking, all right, you've been talking about this for a long time, and now all it boils down to this uh, being a witness thing. So what are you, what are you telling me? I need to go to Starbucks after church and just find some random person sipping on a latte, and go over there and start a conversation and get them saved, and 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 maybe, maybe so, you know, I. God has called me to do some weird stuff over the course of my Christian life and I've tried to respond and and usually there's a big blessing for that when we do it, but I'm trying to get us to even think on a broader level than that today and I think the text the text gives us a great way to grapple with this word of being a witness for Christ witness, the, the Greek word for, for witness is the same word that we get martyr out of, but as Martous is the, is the Greek word for that. And what that means is, is, uh, it's an important definition for us to understand. And a martyr isn't just someone now in the English language, we've, we've kind of translated that into somebody who, you know, goes and does incredibly bold things, puts their life on the line for Christ. But the original context of that word is just somebody who experiences something firsthand. Somebody who experiences something firsthand. They hear it, they see it, they experience it. And then they give a testament, they give an account of that to others. Think about that. Think about that now and what the implications for that for us as Christ followers. Somebody who gives, an, who gives an account of something that they have experienced to be true firsthand. You know, I think somewhere along the way, as Christ followers, we started to kind of get into the idea that maybe the world wants us to play into, that somehow we've got to always have the answers. We need to be the answer people. We've got to be the ones who have the correct theology. We've got to have all the apologetics down. And I'm, I am a theologian. I'm not knocking any of that stuff. I think it's a healthy and a great thing for us to do but when we play in the in the same arena that the world wants us to play in where we've got to try to defend and have all the right answers for everything i think we're we're doing we're playing in an arena that maybe is not even the best one for us to be playing in you know what i think the world desperately needs today i think there is a drought going on in our world today. And people are just longing to talk to somebody who has experienced the power and the faithfulness of God in their life firsthand. And they give an account for that to the people that are around them, you know, experiencing God firsthand and then sharing that with others. I missed this opportunity and I'm going to share with you because I, I hope this gives a little bit of context of what I'm talking about today. And again, I missed out on a, on a great opportunity, but I think if we pray today for God to give us eyes and ears and to see these opportunities to make an impact in the kingdom this week, I promise you, that's that's a prayer that if you pray and you ask God, hey God, would you allow me to be a part of expanding your kingdom this week? Not my kingdom this week, but would you open up my eyes and my ears for opportunities just to give praise and testimony to the faithfulness in, in my life that's a prayer that God loves to answer and he'll answer that prayer for you. But an example for me on one that I missed was just this past week. I was at a baseball practice with my son. I've got a nine-year-old son. He loves to play baseball. I spent a lot of time at at baseball fields. And so I was at a practice. I was sitting there by the fence. I had another dad next to me. I, I can't judge anybody or no, I don't know where this guy stands with the Lord or relationship with God or anything like that, but just based off of fruit and all that stuff, I'd say probably not, or at least not walking with the Lord in a, in a strong way. And this guy sitting here next to me by the fence. And he says, Craig, I've noticed something in your son. And I just want to just tell you that I've, that it's made an impact on me, that I've noticed this, that your son is the most respectful, kind kid to all the other kids on the baseball team. And there's just something different about your son. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's just something different about your son. So as the great pastor that I am, what do I... Oh, thank you. yes, I work man i am, I am a good dad. That's the key to that deal right there. Let me tell you I'm, I invest in my kids, you know and and uh and you know something dumb like that. And uh, I was just thinking about I was driving home, and the Lord like smacked me upside the head with a two by four, and I was like, man, I missed I won't get the next one, but I missed that one. That was an opportunity for me to say, "You know what?" Thank you for noticing that in my kid's life. And I do try to invest in my kid's life and I try to be a good dad. But can I tell you, God is so faithful in the life of my kids. He is so good to us as a family that he's given my kids this outlook on life to where they want to experience God in their life in a real way. And God is faithful to us as a family. And I appreciate you noticing that, but I got to give credit where credit is due. And it's the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God in our family. You know, those are the opportunities that I'm talking about that, man, I've, I promise you, if you start praying for that this week, you'll start seeing them in your neighborhood. You'll start seeing them in your classroom. You'll start seeing them with your coworkers at work. You don't have to be the answer person. You don't have to try to convince somebody the apologetics of scripture and and get into all these arguments that people sometimes like to get into. What people wanna know is how has God impacted your life? How is God making a difference in your life today on a practical level? And when we start to see opportunities to share that with others, man, it is a game changer. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples in this passage. I just want you to be a witness for me. I just want you to tell people the things that you've seen, the things that you've experienced, the things that you have known to be true in your life. Tell those things to the people that you, that you have a chance to interact with on a daily basis. And that is how I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna empower you. I'm gonna empower you with with my Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness for me. And that is what we wanna be a part of. That's the main thing that we've been given a chance to be a part of. We don't really get empowered by the spirit to make an A on a test. We don't get empowered by the spirit to, to find a new job and all of these things that I have to remind myself of as well. Now we can be, if we're gonna use those things as an opportunity to glorify and give praise to God. But if that's all the end all be all on what our expectations are, I mean, I I can't make that connection in scripture that the Holy Spirit is gonna empower us to do that. But if you wanna experience the Holy Spirit's work in your life, and if, if making an A on a test is a way that you can give praise and glory and testify to the faithfulness of God in your life, then maybe so. But all I'm saying is that, man, if we haven't experienced power in our life, if we haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in our life. Maybe we're asking him to empower us on things that at the end of the day, okay, maybe it helps in some ways, but it's not really that end all be all of being able to impact the world around us for eternity, right? There's, there's, there's amazing things that are happening around us each and every day that God gives us the privilege to be a part of. I think the end of this passage is, a, uh, is just a, another good way to, as we, as we think about the job description that we've had, the main thing that we've been talking about today is this idea that God has empowered us to be witnesses for him. The last part of this passage gives us, uh, I think, a couple really good principles, and I'll end, I'll end with that today. Is that the number? The first principle in that is that uh, they were empowered witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think it starts with Jerusalem. There, I know that's kind of a template of how the the gospel moves throughout the book of Acts. But I think what uh, Jesus was telling them in that moment is like. I'm gonna make you a witness for me and just start where you are. Don't worry about having to go someplace or or traveling somewhere or feeling like you've got to reorient your life in some major way to be an effective witness for me. In fact, if you start right where you are, that's actually the best place that you can begin. And then let me guide you and lead you as, as I see fit. But I think a lot of times we just miss out on those opportunities again, that are right there in our neighborhood because we've somehow got this grand idea that we've got to go somewhere. We've got to do something drastic for the kingdom of God. When there's people in our neighborhood that God has strategically put them there for a reason. You have the neighbors that you have for a reason, you know? And I think that there's, there's a time and place, you know, we need to know the Bible and we need to, we need to study and all of those things. But one of the things that I've just been convicted about over the last couple of years really is, man, I know the Bible backwards and forwards, but do I know the names of my neighbor? And if I can't answer yes to that question, there's a disconnect there, right? Like something's not right. Something, something's, uh, there's a gap from here to here and to here, that we need, to, we need to ask the Lord to help us with because there's a reason why he's placed us in the opportunities that he's placed us in and it's to be witnesses for him. The second principle that I think that, that is, uh, is awesome, especially for the context that we live in here in Dallas is that I, lo- I love how Jesus, he, he threw it in there because that's just how Jesus rolls. And he said, "I wanna make you, I wanna make you witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love that Jesus put Samaria in there because if you read through the gospel accounts, you know, the woman at the well, the the, the verse of, of scripture in John where Jesus says, hey, look, the harvest fields are white. There is a harvest coming and I'm just lacking workers to actually be a part of the harvest He says that smack dab in the middle of Samaria. If you know about the Jewish people, they avoided Samaria. They wrote the the Samaritans off. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. They thought that God had cursed them. And so we're not even going to, we're not even going to mess with, with the Samaritans. We're going to write that off of our, we get a free pass on that. And Jesus is saying, no. I want you to be open. I want you to be open to anybody that God puts around you in your life to be a witness for them. Man, we're so good at human beings to kind of write off that family member that we just kind of have justified ourselves on why, why we get a free pass with them. Or we've written off that coworker at work that just has that spiritual gift for getting under our skin. And we feel like God gives us a free pass on them. Can I get an amen on that? You know what I'm saying? But Jesus puts that in the passage so that it hits us square in the face. Like I think it would for these apostles that are there where they would have been thinking, no, we walk around some, we actually take the long route so we don't have to walk through the middle of Samaria. And Jesus says, no, I'm gonna make you a witness right there where you might not want to go, where you don't think that that you would ever be. But that is actually the place I'm going to give you the most fruitful ministry. So I just want to encourage us to be open this morning to the opportunities that God might, might give us. Because when we pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us, that's the main thing we've been talking about today, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be witnesses for Christ. We can't then put a bunch of stipulations on it of, oh, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll be willing to go here or I'll be willing to talk to this person here, but I'm going to write this person off and I don't think I could ever see myself going, going this place. We've got to be open to where and who the Lord might then open up doors for us to be witnesses for him. All right. Makes sense. Man, I have loved being with y'all today. I really have. I love Pastor Ted. Uh, I just can't encourage you enough as a church. I just, I, I sense it when I walk in here uh, that God's working in a big way, a living way. So I, I wanna encourage you. Uh, To keep it up. You know, this is a great time that we get the opportunity to literally impact the nations right here in uh, the North Dallas area. So let me pray for y'all and then uh, we'll, we'll end our time together. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you have given us a clear job description, Father. And it's a job description that you've promised us that we are capable of being a part of if we remember it's through empowerment in your spirit. We pray this week, Father, that you would empower every single one of us to see the world around us and to see that you are bringing your kingdom right here in our midst. And I pray that you would help us to be a part and to allow us the privilege of being a part of drawing people closer to yourself. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't know you as their personal savior, Father, that they would know that you love them, that you have a purpose and a plan for their life and you offer them forgiveness and grace in your son, Jesus. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.